Welcome to the Crosswalk Church Podcast, Phoenix, Arizona. I've changed my mind about what Ash Wednesday and Lent are really about. And I, I'm guessing that many of you came here tonight feeling pretty sure that you know what this is all about. That uh, you've been here before, you've been to an Ash Wednesday service, maybe here at Crosswalk or in another church. You've certainly entered into this season of Lent before, and, uh, and, you, and you pretty much are, are here tonight going, okay, I, I know the drill, I know what to expect tonight, I'm, I'm pretty sure what uh, Pastor Jeff is going to be bringing up. And so I want to ask you to take that little white sheet of paper that's sitting on your chair and that pen, and I want to ask you a very simple question. In fact, leave a little space, because you're going to be writing on this uh, white sheet of paper several times tonight. And uh, just for a moment... Think about what do you hope to gain in the next six weeks during this season of Lent? Just write a few words down or maybe a sentence or two. What do you hope to gain? A lot of times when we talk about Lent, we talk about it being a a season of self-denial. A season in which we really focus in on ourselves and we, we ask ourselves, what, what is it that I can give up? What can I sacrifice for these next 40 days or so to really show my heart for God, my dedication to God? And oftentimes when we think about that, it, it, we don't intend for it to happen. But when we're in that mode of thinking about our sins and self-examination and self-denial, what really happens is, Lent becomes about that. Lent becomes about me. It becomes about, wow, I I kind of enjoy this feeling of me putting forth myself for God. And it becomes about contemplation and thinking. A lot of times we think, wow, This is really a a time for me to get deep in thought, examine myself. And it becomes finally a time, Jonathan just mentioned it, time for guilt. Self and contemplation and guilt. Let me ask you, is that really what Christ intended this season to be about? When he came to go to the cross for us? Did he really want it to be all about me? All about thinking and contemplation? All about guilt? This Lent season, I'm going to ask you to consider if maybe instead of self, Lent ought not to be more about God, Jesus, of course, who is the Son of God, and my neighbor. I'm going to ask you to think about, instead of contemplation, maybe it's really more about action. And finally, instead of guilt, maybe it's really, truly more about grace. The thing is, we can get in love 
with the season of Lent. I, I know a lot of people that love Good Friday more than they love Easter or Christmas. Because they love going on that guilt trip. There's just something about the weight of all that sin being on our shoulders. That somehow to our hearts, in just the right place, it, it just feels good to get down in the dirt and the ashes and the sackcloth and go on the guilt trip. And as we enter this season of Lent, what I want you to consider is instead of the guilt trip, what if we decide together that we're going to go on a grace trip? That his pain means our gain with a huge emphasis on gain. And tonight, I want to talk about kind of the key thing that we gain in this grace trip with Christ coming for us and suffering and going through that blood and that sweat and those tears for us. And that's the gain of a new heart. That Jesus came and his pain means that he gives all of us a brand new heart. A heart for God and Jesus and our neighbor. A heart for action. And a heart that more than loves to go on a guilt trip, loves, just loves passionately to go on a grace trip. And fully understand how amazing and overwhelming and exuberant and over-the-top God's grace for you and me really is. Let's uh, take a look at Luke chapter 10. And I'm going to read the whole thing. It's uh, 24 verses, so it's a little bit long, and then I'm going to break it down. But I, I like to do that, something I learned in coaching. Whole, then part, then whole. That's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to take the whole thing, and then I'm going to break it down into its parts. This is the story of Jesus. He's been with his disciples. In fact, he's, he's, uh, he's got quite a little following now. And a few chapters earlier in Luke chapter 9, he's, uh, he sent out the 12, commanding them to go out and share the gospel with people, the gospel that they've learned on their grace trip with Jesus. Now he actually has enough people where he says, look, there are 72 of you that I'm choosing, and I'm sending you out to share the gospel of God's grace, the gospel of forgiveness, with the people in this area. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. And if not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet, we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. 
I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies? No, you will go down to the depths. He who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. But he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Now, if you hear carefully what Jesus was just saying to his disciples, it goes against everything that we have over here in column one. All this, we could write the word static by it. When I'm thinking about myself, I just want to sit there and think about myself. When I'm about contemplation and thinking, the best place to do that is just in my easy chair. And when I'm feeling guilty, man, the energy is drained from me. I have the, the shame and everything that I feel. It has me static, which means standing still. Look at verse 3. What's the first word in verse 3? Not stand still, but go. We are to be people in motion. And when we let guilt take our legs out from underneath us, when we let the contemplation of self and our sin stop us in our tracks, we are not doing the Lenten thing, not the true Lenten thing that Jesus intended for us to do by going to the cross for us. And what's the very first thing that needs to go? What's the very first thing that needs to go? Your heart needs to go. 
That's really what Lent is talking about. Not, not sitting still, kind of basting in your guilt and shame. It's talking about getting your heart in motion. To get your heart going somewhere. And I want, you, I want to take you back through this. Because in every paragraph that I just read, there is actually somewhere for your heart to go. Let's back up. After the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go, he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And the Lord of the harvest, therefore, asked the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. Now, I want want you to ask yourself, what kind of a heart does it take for a person to go when Jesus has just told him, I'm sending you out like you're a lamb and there are wolves out there? What kind of a heart does it take for a person to go, all right, I'm not taking a purse or a bag or sandals. I'm not going to greet anyone on the road. I might tuck my toothbrush into my back pocket. And over here, I might take my comb, but no more, because Jesus said no more than that. What kind of a heart does it take going on to listen to what Jesus says in verse 5? When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking Whatever they give you. Now, if any of you have ever been missionaries to a foreign country, you would know how interesting some of the things that can be set in front of you could possibly be. I remember the little tiny fish with the little eyes in them that used to be set in front of me. Inswa. And wow, what an amazing delicacy that turned out to be after I got used to it. But it took a little while. All right? Eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. Your heart, my heart, has to be in motion. And number one, it has to move from pride to humility. Right? It has to move from it's all about me and it's all about what I want and all about what I need to whatever people give me. I, I, I don't need a purse because I don't need all the trappings. I'm, I'm just going to take whatever God gives. You ready to have your heart move from pride to humility? Are you ready to have your heart in motion? This Lenten season? Let's read on. I'm going to make quick points of all of these. Verse 8. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you, heal the sick who are there, and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet, we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. 
Woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. Sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies? No, you will go down to the depths. What's he saying there? Instead of self-satisfied, I'm getting it right, I'm doing everything I need to do. Our heart needs to move toward repentance. A willingness to change. You see, that's what was missing in Chorazin and Bethsaida. All these towns in, in Galilee that Jesus, th- these were close to his hometown of Nazareth. And, and as he was going there, imagine how his heart ached for them. Because as he preached that he was the fulfillment, the Messiah, the Savior that had been promised, God's own people, God's chosen people, were rejecting him in one town after another to the point where he says look there are towns like Tyre and Sidon people who don't even know God who who don't have the Old Testament and guess what they're more repentant they're less self-satisfied they're more willing to change than you are Season of Lent is about putting our heart in motion in the way that we're not just sitting here smug and self-satisfied, but we're willing to change and move and move in the direction that God would have us move. These are hearts that are humbled over sin. Let's read on. He who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. But he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. What did those disciples experience when they came back from this trip? Demons, spiritual forces were submitting to their words. They were amazed, shocked, and awed by what God's power was doing through them. And instead of feeling defeated, their hearts moved to victory. They saw that when God's, God's power worked in them, God's love, God's grace and forgiveness, that nothing could stand up, just as Jesus promises. He says, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, against my people. Their hearts moved from defeat to victory. Even Satan fell like lightning. Verse 21 
At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. That's the fourth one. Our hearts move from being adult to being childlike. You know what that means, don't you? Adults, as adults, we're full of rationalizations. We're full of what I like to call, but what ifs? But what if this happens? But what if that goes on? And and Jesus had that happen to him constantly as he led the disciples around. They couldn't understand some of the most basic, simple things. But what if Jesus, Jesus taking a nap in a stormy boat, but what if the boat sinks, Jesus? And Jesus says, "What, what are you worried about? Instead of but what ifing, just trust like a little child. Just trust that God is here, that he loves you, that he has all power in heaven on earth, that he's on his throne, and that he is ruling his world for your benefit. That you are, in fact, through Christ, God's child. Truly his child. And you can rest in that. And here's the last one. All things have been committed to me by my father. No one knows who the son is except the father. And no one knows who the father is except the son and those to whom the son chooses to reveal him. Did you catch that one? That's a heart that has a laser focus. A laser focus on Jesus Christ. Jesus says, look, I have what you need. The forgiveness you need, I have it. The freedom from guilt and shame, I have it. The the ability to, to let go of hurt, to forgive others, to have power to get through life when life is overwhelming, I have that. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, Jesus says. And I will give you rest. Jesus has all of that. He knows the Father. He and the Father are one. All things have been committed to him by the Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father. And no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those on whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So what is this Lenten season about? It's about hearts in motion. 
hearts in motion from pride to humility, from self-satisfied to repentant, from defeated to victorious, from adult to childlike, from unfocused, to being laser-focused on Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord. And when we do this, instead of the guilt trip, that's where the grace trip is. And I want you to remember this, that this Lenten season, you're going to take a grace trip. So I want you to do one more thing for me. Grab that white sheet of paper again. In just a moment, I'm going to ask the band to come up. In fact, they can start coming up now. While they come up, I want you to, to write down something in your life that grace is going to touch during the next six weeks? Is it a sin that you need to give to Jesus? Is it a hurt? Something that you can take with you on this grace trip and take it to the cross. I want you to write it down. It may be yourself. Maybe on this sheet of paper, you just write a little heart and you write your name in there. If you want to keep it anonymous, you want to take a a certain temptation or sin, Write it down, and in just a second, while the band plays, I'm going to have you actually come forward. It's Ash Wednesday. You're going to take a little grace trip today. You're going to take that little sheet of paper, and we're going to burn them. We're going to literally turn them to ashes after the service. You can hang out if you want and watch us. I'm going to take it out on the patio so I don't scare the president of Arizona Lutheran Academy. And we're going to burn them to ashes. But while this song plays, and and there's no particular order, come up and you'll see my little barbecue pit over there. And you just throw your sheet and fold it in half and make a little grace trip tonight that will be just the beginning of the bigger grace trip that you're going to go on for the next six weeks. When Jesus had those 72 gathered around him, he sent them out, didn't he? And, And he wanted more than just those 72 to go on a grace trip. And, and so the season of Lent, as I said a moment ago, is not just about contemplation. It is about action. Do you remember the last time that you saw someone that you loved dearly before they died? Maybe it was a grandma or a grandpa, a mom, a dad, even a brother or sister. Do you remember that? I remember the last time I saw my dad. I was 15 years old. He was leaving for Louisiana. He was very sick. Most of his hair had fallen out because he was going through the final stages of kidney and liver failure. His body was oversized and bloated because the fluids were collecting inside of his body. My sister saw him on this final trip. She didn't recognize him. He was so changed. And as he got ready to pull out of the driveway, we had one last hug, and I leaned into the window. My aunt, who was very devout Christian, had just prayed for him, and I could see him get kind of a funny look on his face. And I, I leaned into the window as he was about ready to leave, and I said, Dad, because this was just when I was becoming a Christian, I said, I know sometimes it might seem like 
All this Jesus stuff is weird. But it's not. It's not weird. It's, there's something to this, Dad. I want you to think about this. I, I don't know if those final words that I was able to say to my dad got his heart in motion. My grandma sent word back that there was a pastor that visited with him in the hospital. But you know what? <laughs> this is personal. This getting our feet in motion as well as our hearts in motion. And it was personal for Jesus. If you, if you ever wonder why I talk so much about outreach, why I talk so much about getting out there with our feet and our mouths and sharing Jesus with everybody, it's because I see my dad in every person who doesn't know Jesus. It's personal for me. It really is. And it was personal for Jesus. That's why he came. He came because he saw us as his lost brothers and sisters who needed salvation but were lost because of sin, separated from God, and he wanted to bridge that. And I hope that just as it was personal for me, it's definitely personal for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that it's personal for you that you know that Jesus is sending you out like he sent those 72 out and that we as a church make it a personal issue to tell everyone that Jesus heart is now their heart you know we can never do all these perfectly we never will because we always are going to have sin with us but the greatest thing of all is that Jesus gave us a heart transplant. He said, here, even though you can't do it, I've done it for you. You take my heart. And when God looks at you, he doesn't see your heart anymore. He sees my heart, Jesus' heart. What an amazing thing to know that Jesus' heart is a perfect fit for us. And that Jesus just as he wanted with those 72, wants you and me to go out. You know as a church what we've committed to, and I'm going to say this tonight because we're, we're mostly family here tonight. We're committed every Sunday to getting 1,000 people into this room. That's our vision. 1,000 people. And you might say, ah, there he goes again. He's all about numbers. You bet I'm about numbers. You know Why? Because every single number is a soul. Every single number of a lost person has my dad's face on it. Every lost person Jesus died for and redeemed by his blood shed on that cross. We need to get out into this community and be willing to be sent by Jesus. Not only that our hearts move during this season of Lent, but that our feet move and our tongues move with the amazing gospel of Jesus Christ. I trust, I hope that every one of you are ready during these next six weeks to be in motion. 
Hearts in motion, minds in motion, and feet in motion for Jesus, your Savior. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for bringing us here tonight once again to be able to go on the beginning of a grace trip. Your grace is unbelievable and amazing that you would die for me, a sinner. That your death on the cross would pay for all my sins. That your perfect heart would replace my sinful one in the sight of God. What an amazing truth that is. And Lord, move my heart during these next six weeks. Humbled by my sin to know the victory that you've won for us. Lord, move my feet so that others can know this wonderful message of Jesus' salvation. And Lord, move my tongue with the gospel to share all that you've done for mankind, for the entire world. You've done it for the entire world and help me to share that message with the world around me. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Crosswalk Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at crosswalkphoenix.com.